and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Saul, I have uh, been watching my thermometer like a hawk and uh, I'm protecting my tender plants again tonight from the frost. But as far as I can tell, fingers, toes and eyes crossed in Essex, although it has gone down to minus 1.5 we've had so far, everything touch wood seems to be protected and okay and alive. How about you? Um South Devon here. So, uh, we, you know, we've been cold, uh, but nothing really below five or four uh, degrees, great. which is great. So no frosts. Uh, I did put my poly tunnel back together um, mm-hmm. just in case. But to be honest, I left a lot of my gingers, all my Brugmansia, bananas all outdoors because I, I, there was a bit of a wind coming in as well. And I, I tend to notice that if there is a bit of a wind, that te- tends to stop the frost from forming so much. So yeah. Yep, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so not not too bad. I know I know I've seen some pictures on the social media with people who have had heavier frosts than both you and me. So if you're one of them and you left some tender stuff outside, commiserations. But um, yeah, ho- yeah exactly. ho- Hopefully <laughs> next time you'll uh, stick a bit of fleece on or something. Yeah, yeah. I must admit I have been keeping my plants in the greenhouse. I've got an awful lot of tomatoes, French runner beans, cosmos, all things that are not fully hardy. I've been keeping them on the dry side because our greenhouse is not heated. And I think, yeah, f- from my point of view, because we're, we're just dipping below minus numbers, we're, we seem to be okay. And that's going to get me through. So, so yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting, isn't it? When you get a cold snap, you sort of, um, you know, it's, you, you know, they're inevitable and they're, they're, they're nine times out of 10 going to come every year. Um, but well, I think we had such a sunny April, um, in the UK that, it, it, you almost thought, you know what, it's not going to happen. And then here we go. I think so many people have got plants in all of their rooms in the houses and, and just all spilling over desperate to get outside. But, uh, you know, we just got to wait. Only, um, I know next week I was looking in, in Colchester for us in the day, it's going to be at least 20 and at night it's going to be at least double figures. So give it a week. They'll look, all your courgettes and your runner beans and things will be outside and we'll all be able to move in our lounges again. And yeah, and soon it will be the summer. We'll be in shorts and uh, yep. uh, and the weather will be great and um yeah i'm i'm, I'm do you know i'm really looking forward to cuz cuz i grow all these exotics and they're really starting to put on growth and stuff i i i, I feel cuz a lot a lot of people grow things that flower earlier snowdrop fanatics or, or or the early spring people but i have to wait that extra month or two just to watch th- things start to grow so i'm getting mm. that buzzy feeling now of uh, just just watching those buds starting to swell, leaves, new leaves just starting to unfurl. So I'm really looking forward to the summer, mostly because my garden is two polytunnels and a greenhouse. 
which isn't the best looking uh, scenario in the world. And when you've had it there for six months, you really are looking forward to having your your garden back in some ways. So I'm really looking forward to generally I take just an extra day over the next bank holiday and I'll just take all the polytons down, pressure washer my patio so it's all sparkly new put the uh, the um, garden furniture out all the plants are arranged and I start really feeling like I've got my garden back so I'm looking forward to that oh that sounds lovely that really does so have you been at Stonelands today I've been at Stonelands today um another you know for for the cold temperatures and, and I like I've always said I am a bit of a northern temperate kind of guy i've had an absolutely lovely day um the one thing that hasn't really stopped through this cold weather is the grass the grass is <laughs> is just gone ballistic in the last two weeks uh which mm. isn't the greatest thing for me because i as everyone will know i'm on my own at the moment so i'm having to mow about three acres of lawn so um yeah my fitness levels are, are going up that's for certain but um I'm hoping that soon enough the grass, because it does tend to uh, have this sort of explosion of growth in May and then towards the end of June as it gets drier and also as the temperatures go up, because grass actually likes this sort of Goldilocks zone between about five degrees and 20 degrees. Mm. So as soon as it goes above 20 degrees, I actually find my grass slows down quite remarkably and then I can actually um, reduce the frequency of mowing. So at the moment, it is all guns to the uh, the mowing deck, should I say? Did you ever ha- did you have a conversation with the the property owners about maybe leaving some of the grass longer? Because I know when we spoke to Tom Brown at West Dean, they literally have left most of their grass to go to meadow this year. So so because obviously you've got a large amount of grass to cut, and there's and it is just you at the moment. Did that conversation arise or not? Um, we d- I did talk to them about the fact that it wouldn't get mowed every week. Um, because that was just uh, that would just mean I'd be mowing for two and a half days a, a week, and it, it just wouldn't work. Um, but I did try and keep the bits that are closer to the house, and especially around the herbaceous beds, looking quite sharp. Because you'd be surprised how much the grass edges. And I, I know we've talked about this before. It's those those um, it's that that eye candy, isn't it? The the, yeah. the when yeah. you mow those borders and those stripes round beds, it just makes them pop. And I really wanted to make sure at least I kept the ones around the house looking really, really nice and really short or or nicely, neatly trimmed. But further out, especially in the woodland um, and across either side of the river, where we would usually um, mow some grass to keep a contrast between the long and the short, actually most of it has gone longer. But I I have got out with the strimmer because one of the things that can happen is if you leave things for too long, a lot of the woodier weeds can come in like docks, brambles can start. And if you do let them get established... Um, they can actually be a lot harder to remove. So just strimming them off regular keeps uh, keeps them from forming. And I, I, I was g- going to also say, I, I know on Twitter, one of your latest videos is of the, the wildflower meadow, which is at Stonelands. And now that yes. I remember you showing me when I visited a, long, a, a while ago and it was uh, under the orchard and you'd actually said to the owner that you wanted to change the management of the meadow from short grass under the trees to a meadow mm. and it looks it just looks lovely i mean you've got so many different species flowering there and the, i bet in this sunny weather it's been buzzing with wildlife so just talk talk me through what's going on there at the moment oh it's it, it, do you know it's what we're about f- into its fifth year of management i've got a like a 10-year plan on how to get this meadow uh, and, and basically it was just adding the rattle and then managing the grass figure and now we've got all sorts of um um 
like really, really uh, beautiful meadow weeds. I would call of call them because it's we haven't added anything, so it's not your oxide daisies or or things that you would usually add in a mix. It's things like mouse's ear, hawkweed, uh, your clovers, um, Veronica. So. Um, uh, what's that? That is is that lady something or other? I forgot what the common name for Veronica um, is. You've got the speedwell, haven't you? But you don't mean that. Yeah, one. that's it. The speed. Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah the Veron- okay. no, the Veronica speedwell. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, and I'm, I, the one thing I am waiting for are these uh, bee orchids. So every every uh, time I mow the meadow, I go to the corner where I know they are, and it, they're really hard to see it stuck because it comes up very similar to all the other. Um, the, the foliage so it's not until they flower that i actually know they're there but fingers crossed we're going to get a few because so far this year spring wise is just looking stunning and I'm, I'm i'm really happy with it i did put a video out on twitter but it's so hard i find to capture the essence of a, a wildflower meadow on film or or on a on a photo it just doesn't look the same as being there and experiencing it. No, I know. I spent like when I tried to video the Milfoy, the tulip meadow at the hall, it just looked like I think I said on my tweet, it looked like a drunken badger stumbling around the meadow for its next <laughs> meal. So it just doesn't work. But like you say, it's in, and that is one of the hindrances of the lockdown at the moment is that people can't see that, that it's sometimes as I say with and you found it as well with certain plantings you can't get the feeling unless you're actually standing there and you've got the the 3D vision of it you can, you know and you can hear the sounds the rustling mm. and the wildlife and and it all adds to the experience and so I, I yeah i understand what you mean but i'm sure i say from the video it does still look absolutely lovely so so well done on that um oh thank you also, <laughs> um so for me at the hall um the last two days, Ian and I have been there and we've worked solidly in the kitchen garden because we were very lucky in that we just, I, I always do a little walk around and work out what my, my, my kind of like work load and my priorities would be. And we'd, we'd been mulching quite heavily all the, the rose borders and the herbaceous borders around the cedar bed, bog garden, around the front of the house, the white garden and the terrace. That had all been mulched. Um, so the weed situation there, was fairly um, fairly gentle. There was hardly anything coming up at all. We know, we, and I knew we had then a little window of opportunity to get it back into the kitchen garden. So the kitchen garden, conversely, had slipped away from me slightly because we'd had that little bit of rain. We'd had about twenty mil of rain about probably about ten days ago now, and that just allowed the weeds to mm, germinate and ex- flush through. Yeah. And they'd had that flush. We'd we'd ignored it for a while because I do. Yeah, I, I, we had to, as I say, you have, you have to always kind of balance what jobs take priority. And for me, it was staking the herbaceous borders. Ian was doing the mulching. And I knew that we had a little bit of time to, to, to get back into the kitchen garden at the moment and just try and sort it out because it looked a bit scruffy. And the owner came into the garden yesterday and he, he was very sweet and he sort of said, Oh, if only, because he's, he's sadly, he's not very steady on his feet at the moment. And he said, Oh, if only I could help hoe the asparagus bed. And I think that was his subtle way of saying, Lucy, <laughs> the weeds are getting up. <laughs> um, and then, um, and we'd worked in the kitchen garden that day and also today. And then he walked into the kitchen garden this afternoon and his face, it was lovely. He literally walked, there's a little white metal gate in the corner of the kitchen garden on the shady side. Walked through that and I saw his face. He, he glanced around and he was like, oh, wow, look what you've done in here. And it was such a lovely thing to see because, and we had been focusing on getting rid of a lot of the weeds. We have, um, and we, you and I have talked about this before, when you add manure to 
a bed and I, we, we do manure the kitchen garden because we've got light sandy soil. We need to enrich it and add nutrition as well. So we do add manure. The fat hen seeds in that manure, oh my God, there's thousands of the things. And they'd all flushed and germinated and they'd romped, the fat hen grows really, really quickly in warm weather and it had romped away. Yeah. Um, so we'd, we'd got all those out. Uh, we'd discovered the broad beans again because they'd been snarled up by those. I had a whole load of peas under some netting that I needed to then stake because they were getting more than a foot high and I need to get the pea sticks in. So I've done that. I discovered the sweet peas. The sweet peas that I sowed in... October planted out in the spring and then what I tend to do with my sweet peas because I know they often they sit and sulk for a little while maybe two three weeks and then suddenly they settle in and they put on this massive massive really strong stems and I always wait for that to happen and then see the stems extending I think right okay they're now maybe about a foot and a half tall I need to get in there and start training them so I'd uncovered this and that, that's your cordon system isn't it yes. with these sweet peas it is because yep. this is something I learned and I did it for the first time last year mm. and I'm doing it again this year oh well done uh, and, and like you say yeah sweet peas just sit there and then suddenly mm. you, you, you take your eye off them for maybe a week or two you go back and suddenly there's this there's these quite bulky stems coming up yep. and then you have to select one don't you and then then train it up um and i'm looking forward to maybe succeeding a bit more than i did last year i didn't realize how much there is a lot of effort in training them as cordons um taking off the side shoots taking off the off the tendrils, the tendrils yeah. um so i'm yeah i'm hoping to um succeed a bit better than last year but um i really like the method because you do get the flowers are so much better yeah. you know they can be a good foot long on a really good stem and they just look so much better in a vase yeah well, i mean that's the idea with the cordon sweet peas as you say is for exhibitors to get that long stem you take the tendrils off so that they don't latch around the stem and cause a kink you take the side shoots off so you're directing all the energy into the main stem like a cordon tomato essentially that kind of thing if you're familiar with side shooting cordon tomatoes and tying them in with one single stem cordon sweet peas are very they are similar in that way i'll probably tweet about them um over the summer to show people what to do but yeah they i've now got to the point where i've got as you say i've got to do a cull i've probably got on each plant maybe three four five on some of yeah. them six stems and you've got to do that awful thing of going in there and thinking right okay but <laughs> which ones of you are going to go and it um, looks quite harsh doesn't it it oh. does look really harsh when you do it because you think because usually when you do sweet peas and i know a lot of people do the sweet peas and just let them grow up into sort of that mass and you and you think oh, how much flour am i cutting out here but actually uh, once you get the cordons up and you have a, a lot in a row the actually the amount of flour you get off them is quite tremendous yeah yeah they they do they as you say it's it does really focus their energy into this one massive massive main stem and um yeah yeah the flower the the bigger that you get on the flower stems is really 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 something else so um that's a, a something i've i just haven't quite finished those yet i will be tying them in hopefully on friday if i get around to doing that i have also planted out although it's although it's still cold at the moment i have got celery and celeriac which i've been hardening off and they i could tell they weren't very happy in their modular cells they in the hot days they were actually starting to almost bake in the modules and i was like i need to get these out they actually are crops that really like a cool moist growing oh. season so so they've been planted out today in um so the celeriacs in the grid about each plant's about a foot apart the celery i plant a lot closer maybe sort of or four inches apart something like that so they naturally blanch each other so they've gone out today i've also been doing lots of um direct sowing because it's now warm enough especially when i look at the temperatures 
for the following week when it's literally going to get a lot warmer quite soon I was like right this is a good time to do some outdoor sewing so I've done things such as uh, my the spring onion so my ishikura is my favorite spring onion I've done some uh, drills of beetroot called it's one called alto which is like a cylindrical beetroot it's not the the globe it's actually a long cylinder so it's very good for slicing I'm going to do some sewings of those later as well to keep the this both the spring onions and the beetroot nice and small and young for when we harvest them for the kitchen garden I've done two rows of carrots I've done some parsnips as well um the carrots are resistifly but I will also cover them over with mesh I I I know that resistifly has resistance to carrot root fly but a lot of these crops that say they have resistance they're not resistant to them they have resistance but it's not 100% for example so I will cover those over and the parsnips alongside them with some mesh for the for the the, the carrot fly um I've sewn out some bulb fennel I've sewn out some um spinach annual spinach here and I've also sewn some scorzonera which is an unusual uh root crop that we haven't grown before but we discussed with the owners about unusual things to try in the kitchen garden and so this year we're going to try that and I've also sewn out some Whitloof chicory so I've got quite a lot of sewings going on and um I don't know about you but the soil moisture levels actually they are they are starting to drop for me quite considerably and I was making the drill for each of these sewings about maybe that, two, that's two your sandy deep. soil isn't it that's uh, your sandy soil yeah. are, are you, have you still got have you still got moisture in no we've got plenty of moisture right. it looks dry on the top but the minute you start a drill or you just pl- uh, try and uh, dig a hole for a module it, it's still really quite yeah. a lot of moisture down there so great, great. I don't reckon I'm going to have to irrigate for well we'll see how the weather turns out for the next few weeks but I reckon I'd be I'm going to get away with not having to irrigate till at least mid-June yeah oh that's good that's good I, I think for me because as you say we've got that light sandy soil um Ian was he was digging over a bed that had been mulched with manure and he was digging that over that soil underneath was really really moist because the manure had actually capped and dried off in the heat and locked the moisture in so that was was that was really useful but where I'd been we'd been prepping the beds and digging them over to get them ready for sowing to kind of break them down to a fine mm. till that that cultivation and the wind and the heat had dried everything out so what i did basically i made if anyone's trying to sow now and they're again on light sandy soil or soil that looks very very dry you can't see any moisture in it make the drill and then get your watering can my my drills are maybe about three four meters long depending on the bed i'm in and i empty a whole watering can along the base of each individual drill i let it soak in and then I will sew along the base of the drill and I'll cover it over with dry soil. Um, so as long as the moisture is locked into the, the earth there and then you cover over, mm. cover over with dry soil, it actually conserves the moisture in the soil. It doesn't then evaporate off the surface. Oh, okay. And, right. Um, and also if you, if you do try to water the drill after you've sown, you can often cap it and then the seedlings have difficulty pushing through. But if you cover it over with loose powdery soil, um, as long as we don't get if we get really really hot temperatures i will probably have to irrigate if they don't germinate within a week but that to me is on my light side that's a good method for getting really good really really good emergence when i'm sowing direct because i know it can be a bit hit and miss so i I know everyone's got their own technique but that's something i found works really well for me so do you do you do you you, i think you say that you sow a lot more in modules don't you for your kitchen garden i'm 
apart from uh, spring onions, uh, I don't really put much out um, just because of our pests. Um, Mm. This week, everything was looking perfect. Peas, beans, onions, all looking great. And then I went in at the start of this week and I found that uh, a vole had been at all our peas, had taken all the tops off the peas. And I was really annoyed because everything was just looking, you know, that sort of picture postcard veg garden. Hopefully they'll grow back uh, and... um, the voles won't come back but such such is life such is life um one of the other things i've been doing uh, in the greenhouse um is i've been starting to take cuttings as well oh, uh, you'll notice that a lot of your perennials uh things like your salvias especially uh, and, uh, and other bits and pieces are starting to put on really nice extension growth so it's really worth at this time starting to take your softwood cuttings um and I find that uh, I can get a lot of plants, especially if you do them at this time of year, because they're putting on so much active growth that they root so quickly, especially if you put them in a heated propagator, that you'll be getting a lot of new plants very quickly that you can almost plant out in the autumn. So you can almost get a turnaround uh, over the summer of a new plant that you can plant in the place. So it's well worth if you've got a favourite salvia or you need to fill some um uh, some gaps where uh certain perennials have died is it's really well worth starting to take softwood cuttings now especially as your seedlings and your modules are going out of the greenhouse and the um the staging is starting to uh open up a little should we say because they it's quite full at the moment yeah. i know that you've been using chairs i've been <laughs> balancing mine on the the shelves and all sorts of places but as the seeds go out um areas open up and you can actually start doing start doing softwood cutting so it's really worth thinking about it now mm. um yeah so uh, the day- and i love cuttings i love doing cuttings i was gonna say day you've got mentioned salvias you've got things like dahlias um dahlias, you could even yeah. do delphinium basil cuttings now if you want to clump up your bit your delphiniums there's all sorts of things that will take uh from from cuttings at the minute aren't there i must admit i don't tend to do many cuttings at this time of year for me it's more of a maybe a late summer autumn task but that's right, okay. that's because so, so you're taking semi ripe a bit a bit riper wood yeah, sort of cutting yeah but, but that's purely okay. because the kitchen garden takes up so much space in our greenhouse um that i i just don't have the the room or the capacity to do it but that's that's the only reason otherwise like you say excellent time to be taking cutting uh, and also another propagation thing is to sow your biennials so um mm. The biennial that I grow the most is uh, the Lunaria, the Honesty. Absolutely love the white variegated Honesty. Mm. So I'll be sowing those now. And fingers crossed, those again will bulk up enough that I can then plant them out in the autumn. And then hopefully they'll flower into the next year. So uh, not just Lunaria, you've got um, Foxgloves. Verbascum is a great one to do now. Yeah, Onopordum is um, another one. And the Oryngium uh, yeah. Gigantium. There's, there's, like you say, there's uh, wallflowers. You know, there's loads. Loads and loads, isn't there, of biennials that, that do... do I, I do find sometimes, because you have to sow them when it's very hot and dry, and so you have to be a bit more on it when it comes to managing your propagator. Either yes. um, position it somewhere under the staging or in the shade, or just make sure that you are checking it every morning for moisture levels and making sure that the temperature inside doesn't get too too much because it can easily escalate to over 40 if you're not <laughs> you're not watching it so um yeah a brilliant time to be doing these things and um I, do you know i'm exhausted just thinking about all the jobs we've got to do at the moment aren't you <laughs> I've, I've got to go back and do more streaming tomorrow so i'm going to go and get an early night so that's today's podcast 
We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture that have been drastically affected, and we hope that life will return and, like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries, and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.